And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, with another edition of the Top Dog Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Harris Marino. Back alongside me, co-host Dan Kylie. Monday evening here on the East Coast. Dan, it is getting really close to summer. How are you doing, my friend? I am good. And Mondays, um, Mondays suit me. Like I'm, I don't know. I have the energy. I'm not worn out by the weekend. I'm ready to go. It's Monday night. We're here to talk. Um, whatever the heck we're going to talk about, we got a lot of different things to talk about tonight. We got a couple hot topics to get into. We have a dance rant, and we're going to combo my rant today. And then we're going to talk about the Georgia's uh, offseason um, conditioning program. You know, this is where champions are made. And then also, is the coaching staff finally safe? Can we can we put that to bed for the rest of the year? So we got a, a, a pretty loaded show, a lot of different things to talk about. Harrison, how was, uh, how was your weekend, bud? Not a bad weekend. Bit busy. Kind of working around the clock. Got some schoolwork. I got to finish up. Uh, spring break starts at the end of the week. So trying to get out of here as quickly as possible. But Dan, with that being said, hot topics. Spring spring training baseball is back, uh, which is nice. Although, heck, I only watched 30 seconds of it. And just because there's clips going around in the Braves game, we're touching that later. Uh, hot topics of the week, Dan, we have two. Kind of going first hot topic goes back to last week. We had a great conversation kind of about the length of college football and how the NCAA is trying to make college football shorter. So with that, Dan, are sports games too long? Shoot. So, you know, it. you can take this in a million different ways, right? Some games have a clock. Some games don't have a clock. It's the time in between the clock running that a lot of people have an issue with. In baseball, it seems like they have a problem with it. But who are we really talking about? At the end of the day, uh, you know, I listened to Jonathan Jeremiah's show, and, and we actually touched on this last week as well. Um, and I can't remember if it was Jonathan or Jeremiah, but one of them was talking about the people who are not complaining about this game being or any game being too long are the people who are paying you and showing up at the games. It's like this entire world that we live in now, and you can take it to political or whatever you want to, is like we're catering to the less than 1%. And that is – uh, obnoxious and, uh, and atrocious in my mind sports are sports you either like them or you don't like them and you're going to have that one or two percent that just doesn't watch it anyway because they don't like it so why are we trying to cater to them i you know when i go to a baseball game with my friends or my kids or, you know when my kids were little they were like yeah it's too long okay like well they just they couldn't sit through anything so that you know they're out but like if i if me and a buddy go to a game um, you know, unless we run out of money, <laughs> we've never complained about the game being too long. Uh, I mean, it's, I don't know, Harris, like it, it's, it's obnoxious to me. And I, I hate it that all of these people are complaining about these different things. I understand trying to make a game fit into a TV window. That makes sense. There's a lot of money involved. I, I get all that. The easiest way to, to control that is to cut down all the freaking ads you sell. Um, and I think we would all be extremely happy with that. But, you know, baseball is the one sport that doesn't have a clock. Um, and, I, and I mean team sport, right? Because, you know, tennis and golf didn't have a clock. But it, it's just there are some games that go fast. There are some games that take forever to play. I agree that the ones that take forever and there's no action in the game, those games can be a, a tad bit boring. Um but for the most part, baseball has a good pace to it. Um, I, I just – I've never gone to a game before, baseball, basketball, or otherwise, and thought to myself, gosh, I wish this thing was over. I just never have. So, to me, games are not too long. And I enjoy them. And, and it's a break from reality. It's supposed to be anyway. It's a break from reality where you can just go and just and watch and, and watch people compete. So, I, I don't know. Um, what, what about you here? So do you, do you feel like games in general are too long? I don't, well, okay. Here, here's my take Dan. And, and some of you touched on talking about what Jeremiah and Jonathan said last week. And also Jeremiah had a great, uh, quote they put on Twitter that my man, Dan hit up a Twitter bot and said, Hey, I need a quote of this. And the graphics hilarious. It, it looks great. Just, just perfect. And here's the thing. I'm not a golf fan. I don't watch golf. I don't play golf. I don't do it. Probably because I'm bad at it, okay? Same thing with tennis. I'm bad at tennis. I don't watch tennis. By no means am I going to sit here and say tennis needs to cater to my liking. 
I don't care about tennis. I never will like tennis, probably. I, I don't ever watch it. Same thing with golf. Maybe as I'm older, maybe I'll sit down and watch some golf. But right now, I don't watch golf, okay? So golf, by no means. Please don't feel like you need to cut down your TV time or how long you're on TV. Don't change the game for me. You've been around much longer than I have. You're going to be around much longer than I ever will be. Don't don't change it for the people who aren't, who aren't diehards, okay? Don't change it for the people that watch you week to week. Same thing with NASCAR, Formula One. I don't need you to cater to me if I'm not a fan, okay? Now, football, I'm here for football. I will sit all dang Saturday for football games. I really don't care. College football, NFL, I will sit on my couch all Saturday or Sunday and watch it. By no means do I need a, a game to be cut down. Bas- uh, and here's what Jonathan said right here real quick. Sorry, Dan. I find myself wishing that baseball games would last longer when I go to them. Valid point. On, on a Saturday, I mean, now obviously these times have changed for me with kids. And, and when you guys have kids of your own, you'll understand that, that these days vanish. But like one of my favorite days growing up, um, well, I say growing up, but like in my early 20s before I had kids, one of my favorite days was a Saturday morning. I would wake up about nine o'clock, hit college game day, takes me to the noon the, the noon game. I'd watch whatever the noon game was all the way to the 3.30 window, watch the SEC game. You know, or whatever the three thirty window was, go watch the next one. And, and like you, literally, and I know you, I, Jeremiah, Jonathan, we've all talked together about this in the past, not recently, but in the past, where you you literally lay on the couch from twelve or sometimes a little bit earlier, all the way until after midnight. And I know, like I know, Jonathan, um, <laughs> we had a conversation where, uh, you know, sometimes you would wake up and realize, like, oh crap, I missed the third and fourth quarter of the Oregon game because I fell asleep on the couch. But I mean, it's just it's what I did because I love the sport. I love watching college football. I could watch it all day. NFL, same way. And we really did it a lot this week or this year for the four four wide podcast where we had to watch all the different games. So I watched Red Zone from one o'clock all the way until our show at seven thirty. Jump on the show at seven thirty, then immediately get off and watch the Sunday night football. So. I mean, who are they catering to? It's not me. It's not you. It's not Jonathan. It's not Jeremiah. So who are they catering to? It's a 1%. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And, and with that being Dan, hot topic number two. Who is your favorite, quote-unquote, voice of college football, radio, or TV? I like this one, Dan. I like this one. So of all time, my favorite voice of all time of college football was Keith Jackson. And if you don't know who Keith Jackson is, uh, Keith Jackson is um, well. Here's the funny thing: is like with the Woe Nelly thing. He says he never said it, but I, it's out there. I, I know he said it before. But um, Keith Jackson was um, the absolute freaking legend, uh, and he, I, when I grew up, I knew that if I heard that voice, I knew it was a monster football game because he was the voice, and you know. And like Al Michaels was like that for any other big event, but for college football, for me, it was always Keith Jackson. Now I know a lot of people, especially in this area, would tell you Larry Munson is one hundred percent the voice of their generation or whatever. But for for me, it was Keith Jackson because I just knew that if I heard that voice, the game mattered. Harrison, my bad. I was trying to transition back. What for for me, Dan? The one I have, it shows my age, but also I, I've gone back and listened to games where Keith Jackson's on the call. By all means, probably the greatest of all time, in my opinion, on TV play-by-play. But the guy that I look most forward to listening to these days is Chris Fowler. And really, I don't know if it's Chris or if it's the combination of Chris and Kirk that I really like. Like, when I hear Fowler and Hershey on the call, I'm like, holy crap. Like, this game is everything. It's like what we've waited all Saturday for. Like, putting Georgia aside, after the Georgia game, you're pro- most people probably go on and watch the Chris Fowler Kirk Herbstreit game of the week. You just know. It's like Sunday Night Football with Al Michaels, uh, with gosh, I'm blanking on the other dude's name. Uh, the Collins old team that they had. Chris Collinsworth. It's like, okay, this is the game of the week. This is America's game of the week. It's like with Fox back in the day when they had Aikman and blanking on everybody's name. But, you, you know, that's the thing. It's like, those two, to me, are the boys of college football. I haven't listened to many games on the radio. I like Scott Howard, and, and and from the games that I've heard him do, he's great. He's great. 
by no means would I compare him to Larry Munson, but just just Chris Fowler to me right now is kind of the voice of college football. I really like the way he does games, and probably to me it's more about the combination of those two. I think that pairing is really really good. Uh, you know who's absolutely absolutely phenomenal on the radio, and I know this is blasphemy. Eli Gold. Eli Gold is freaking outstanding, and you have no idea who, who Eli. Talking Gold about the is. Alabama guy. Yep. Alabama guy. So he got the job. It's if you don't know the story of Eli Gold, it's fascinating, right? So he was a NASCAR guy. Uh, he did NASCAR, and he came to audition. Well, was it NASCAR? Maybe he ended up doing NASCAR. I, I want to say he was from the North, and, and it was funny because Larry Munson was from the North too. But um, like, I just remember like you have to look up the story, but they brought him in, and nobody in Alabama thought he could do it. He replaced a legendary voice. They brought him in. Um, multiple interviews. He didn't, he, he even talks about on the thing that he didn't think he'd make it through one season because these people were going to turn on him. Um, but uh, Eli Gold is absolutely phenomenal uh, at what he does. And his story is pretty awesome. So if you ever have a chance to, um, I, I want to say there was like a documentary where it was like voices of the, I think it was, um, what's the name of that show that was on uh, SEC network storied SEC storied, I believe is what yes. it's called. Yes, I believe that's where I saw the Eli Gold story. So if you uh, have ESPN, they did like a whole like on on most people like Larry yeah. Munson had Larry an episode, Munson. or yeah, everybody like all yeah. the legendary commentators. So if you um, if you have not had a chance to see that, I I would highly recommend it. Um, and again, he's really really good. And I know it's blaspheming because uh, we're not supposed to like anything Alabama around these parts, but um, he's he's really really good. Um, and you know you wanted me to transition in here, but you threw out there this question in our in our private chat here, and let's just go ahead and hit that now. Um, the Bears trading the number one pick, um, hit that, Rena. I, I, you know, what are your thoughts on the Bears trading that pick? I mean, should they do it? I mean, they can get a king's ransom if they do, and if you do trade up for that number one pick, you know, I'm not saying the Falcons or whatever, just in general, if you're trading up, what are you trading up for? This is going to be worth that King's ransom. So go ahead, hit this. We'll hit it while we're in hot topics. It's tough. It's tough, Dan, because my bias says, I mean, I, I went back and, and looked at some of the clips and watched some of the games that Jalen Carter had this year, Tennessee game, one of them, uh, TCU, just went back and watched Jalen Carter to begin with. And it's like, well, man, how can you pass up on this dude? And for the Bears, it's not passing up on Jalen Carter. It's we can get Jalen Carter later in this draft. We don't need to take him at one. We can go acquire more picks, maybe even more talent, and still get Jalen Carter. So for me, shoot, trade the pick, especially if you're dropping down just a few picks, a few slots. I don't think Jalen Carter gets out of the top five, is my opinion. That That's where I project him to be. He may not even get out of uh, out of the top spot. If the Bears stay at number one, Jalen Carter's the pick, in my opinion. Unless they throw in kind of a curveball and go Will Anderson. But I think Jalen Carter is the pick for them, which is why I kind of believe that they will trade this pick. And for the second part of that question, Dan, it's definitely quarterback. Now, which quarterback? My gut says Bryce Young's the number one quarterback off the board. First one. I know Anthony Richardson is shooting up that board. Heck, even C.J. Stroud's going to mention. I I really like C.J. Stroud. After watching that Georgia game, C.J. Stroud was impressive to me. Showed some athleticism, something that I think was probably his big question is, what does he look like with his legs? Can he do it? And he did a pretty damn good job against Georgia. Georgia is the benchmark now for a lot of these scouts. And, okay, did you play Georgia? How would you look against Georgia? C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, both of them passed the Georgia test. You know who didn't pass the Georgia test, Dan? Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. And for that reason, if you're trading up and paying a king, I, I, I don't pay a king's, I, I don't know if I'd pay a king's ransom for Stroud or Bryce Young. It, it, it really depends on the situation for me. But, Dan, I want I want you to give your answer, and I got a follow up. I want to ask you. It's kind of a burning question. So, what are your thoughts on this? Here's my thing. So, if you're the Chicago Bears, you know it, you have to make sure that you're sold on Justin Fields. Is that the guy that you want to ride and die with? Because 
it's not very often that you have an opportunity to get the number one overall pick. So you have it right now. Is this a guy that you want to ride and die with? Because if it is, then you need to surround him with as much possible, as many possible weapons as you possibly can. So trading out of that number one pick makes a lot of sense because you're going to get a lot back in return. However, if you don't think that Justin Fields is the answer long-term at quarterback, then this is an opportunity for you to get your quarterback, unless you really don't like one. At the end of the day, when you said Harris, you know, when we talked about what would you what would you be trading up for if you're going to give up what it's going to take to move to number one? The only right answer is quarterback because a quarterback don't usually have an opportunity to get the best one available in the door. If you're going to move all on and get what it's going to take to get there, you go quarterback. Now, is that the right answer? I don't think so. I'm not saying that any good. I'm saying that one of them might be the best ever to play them. I'm just saying on the surface, I don't think that any of them warrant what it's going to take to move up to number one. A player like Jalen makes a lot of sense. Actually, um, they were able to could definitely use something like that. But it would take to move that far. You know, it's almost those at the end about yourself really don't make a lot of damn sense now, do they, Atlanta Falcons? Because now you'd have to move from eight to number one to get to number one. If you would have just lost the bullshit games that you won at the end of the season, you'd be picking number two or number three anyway. Ah, so damn. How the Falcons pissed Dan, me off. You, you, you transitioned into the part that I wanted to ask you the question, kind of gave it great transition here. You have control of the Atlanta Falcons, Dan. Play into my fantasy world real quick, okay? You're in control of the Atlanta Falcons. You're Terry Fault now. With the roster you have currently constructed, Dan, do would you move to number one? Hell no. Absolutely not. No way, shape, or form do I move up to number one. What it would take, the draft capital, what you everything. No, there's no way. There's not a player at the front. Of, I mean, listen, I love Jalen Carter. You know that. Everybody knows that. I love Jalen Carter. Would I love to have him on this roster? Absolutely, I would love to have him on this roster. But there's no way you can move up to number one and give up everything it's going to take. Um, there's just there's just no no chance that I would do it. Um, actually, if I'm the Falcons, I would even consider moving back a couple spots. But that's just me. Yeah, I, I think moving back makes a lot of sense. It just just depends on what they're looking for. Now, like like Dan said. Quarterback is the only position you're trading up for to number one. There's not an offensive tackle on the board that everyone's consistently saying, yeah, go get them. Franchise, Hall of Famer, we're going to move up to number one, go get them. Really, not a defensive player in this draft that you can say, yeah, trade up to number one to go get them. I know some people would say Will Anderson. Some people would say Jalen Carter. But to me, the only people, the only positions you move up all the way to the board to, as Dan said, is quarterback. Dan. Rant of the week, my friend. Two-pronged approach here. I'm going to let you take it away. All right, so the first part of my rant is going to be kind of a soft rant because I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but it's kind of like a warning rant. And so my warning rant would be, this is the time of year that every single person who covers sports is looking for, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, oh, gosh, my brain just went blank. Content. I apologize. Content. Yes, everyone is looking for content at this time of the year. So they're going to be reaching out and looking and scratching and trying to find something that nobody else has had. So my warning shot across the bow would be, please pay attention to who you are listening to. Um, is this a credible source? Is this somebody who has a great track record of being right? Is this somebody who is more concerned about being right than they are concerned about being first. That was one of the first things that drew me into a guy like Brooks Austin, where does he always have the information before everybody else? He may, he may actually have it, but he doesn't necessarily put it out there first because he wants to make sure it's right. He's more concerned about being right every single time than he is about being first every single time. Um, so like when it, like when information comes from Brooks, I, I, I usually run with it because 
to me, I trust that source. You know, like Jonathan, Jeremiah, guys that we talk to, like sometimes we'll shoot each other stuff and be like, hey, uh, have you guys heard this? Or have you seen this anywhere else? And, you know, you know occasionally as Dan, you're stupid and you're old. And that's a, a bogus report. Um, and thank you for my friends for telling me that I'm stupid sometimes because I don't want to put out information that's that's wrong. Um, or, you know, sometimes I retweet stuff that I know is wrong because I just think it's hilarious. All the stuff that, um, listen, some of these Alabama trolls are actually kind of funny and some of the stuff that they put out there and, and the way that Georgia people react to it is absolutely hilarious. So I will retweet some of that from time to time because I think it's hilarious. But my whole point is just be careful. We're at that time of year where a lot of fake news is going to come out. So pay attention to what you're reading, pay attention to who's saying it. And, uh, you know, I would say before I run out there and make a big scene, I would cross-reference it with your friends and make sure that they've seen it too. Uh, because, you know, like in my case, uh, Harrison, Jonathan, Jeremiah, they they will never miss an opportunity to tell me I'm an idiot. They love it. It's their favorite sport is telling me I'm stupid or old. Uh, Jeremiah loves telling me I'm old. Uh, anyway, my real rant of the week is... Second what? oldest guy in the group too. I know, Not right? even the youngest one. Second hey, oldest guy you, in the group. I, told him, I found out this week that he is way younger than I thought he was. I thought he was like 30. He's like, dude, I'm 25. I'm like, oh, shit. All right. Uh, I really feel old. Um, all right. So the, my real rant of the week is I umpired baseball. And, you know, one of the things that um, I, I actually loved baseball um, as the sport, but I like Somebody tried to talk me into umpiring it, and I had no interest in umpiring it. I didn't want to do it. I thought it was stupid, but then he told me how much money you can make doing it on the side. So I started doing like rec games and stuff like that. And one of the, uh, a lot of the people would come up to me like, you know what, you're actually kind of good at this, and maybe you should go to school for it. And I was like, go to school for umpiring? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. You go down to, to Daytona and go take classes with uh, Hunter Wendelstadt and Harry. Well, actually, the year that I went was the year that, um, Harry Wendelstadt passed away, so I got to see him. Uh, he told an absolutely hilarious joke. I can't tell it on the podcast, but uh, it was a great joke. But uh, so I went to umpire school, became an umpire, and you know one of the things about being an umpire is you have to learn every rule. You have to like in minor league baseball, if you um, lose a protest because you got a rule wrong, you're fired, you're gone. So you can't get a rule wrong. You just can't. You can't. You have to know it. Um, and that is one of the things that all the umpires take a lot of pride in is that they know every rule. And then once you get into baseball, how you progress is how you apply the rules and handling situations, right? It, like there are guys who know the rule book forward and backwards, but they can't apply it on the field because they are just, they're book nerds, you know, and they just, they just know the rules, but they can't apply them. And then there's also handling situations where, there's an old saying in baseball, don't grab the shitty end of the stick. And if you need that explanation, I'm sorry I can't help you with it. Just think it through. Don't grab the shit end of the stick. Um, so, you know, you try to avoid trouble. Uh, every you know every umpire that I've ever been around, uh, all the crew chiefs that I've worked with, all of the guys who are working in the Major League Baseball now, one of the things um, across the board, it's you did a great job as an umpire if you can leave the game and nobody knows you worked it. If, you know, you go home and you're like, who the hell is the home plate umpire tonight? You did a great job. If you don't know who I am and you don't know my name, then I've done my job because that is the job of, a, of an umpire or any official in any sport is to make sure that the game is adjudicated properly. It runs smoothly. Your goal is to run that game as smooth as possible with as limited interruptions as possible to get to a satisfying conclusion um, where both teams had every opportunity to be successful. Right? That's what you want. The reason I say all of that is to get to what is happening in Major League Baseball right now. These rules and all this nonsense is being put in place by people who don't give a shit about baseball. And moreover, they don't give a shit about the umpires. The amount of stuff that they have to handle is a lot. And I know almost everybody listening to this podcast hates umpires and officials in general. So I get it. But at the end, you know, Almost all of them, almost 99.9% .9 of them want to do a great job. They don't want to get something wrong. And I promise you, as an umpire, when you get something wrong, it haunts you. You can't sleep at night because you know you got it wrong. 
And I, there, there was a play that I made at second base in a minor league. We didn't have the ability to replay things when I was in minor league baseball. And I butchered a play at second base. And I, I'll i be honest with you, I, I got sent home. After I made that play, I got sent home because it was that bad. And um, it, it, it ate at me. And I I was nervous to get back on the field. When I finally got back on the field, I, I was scared to make a mistake. Um, I knew I had no room for error. Uh, I mean, this is like the fourth game I ever worked in minor league baseball. And, and like, I got sent home after it because it was that bad, but like, because I was, I over applied a rule, right? Like I just did. So now we're asking these umpires to do something that's not even in the rules. Like they're, you're just making up shit and be like, Hey, listen, we need you to enforce it. What happened at the end of the Braves game? Let me explain what happened there. So the batter's called out because he's not ready to face it. Eight seconds, whatever. But more importantly than that, that umpire was told, it, we have to make an example out of somebody. We have, we have to make a big deal out of this. And that's exactly what happened. It was a 6-6 game, bases loaded, um, borderline. I mean, could it have been let go? Who knows? It's a point of emphasis. If you've ever watched a basketball game, uh, especially a college basketball game, they will tell you, there are things that are points of emphasis. That means the officials are going to be focused on these specific things. Why? Because their bosses who sign their paycheck, who make sure that they have a job, are the ones who are telling them this is a point of emphasis. If this happens, I want it called immediately. When I got into minor league baseball, the thing, the very first thing they said they wanted called was a high strike. They wanted to go back to the high strike because the strike zone is the center point between uh, the middle of your, your basically your titty and your belt the midpoint, which is about the belly button, right? Um, but for whatever reason in, in baseball, it's from the belt to the knees is what's being called. So they wanted to elevate it back up above the stomach. And you had got grown-ass men wanting to fight you uh, for calling that a strike because for years and years and years, that has not been called a strike. So how do you get them to understand? You have to overemphasize and call freaking everything up there and get yelled at and screamed at the fans, everybody in the stadium booze at your ass. So it's a point of emphasis. You're putting the umpires in a really, really bad situation. It's complete horseshit. Um, the, the replay, same deal. Go ahead and get your robo umps. I, I be, I'm just, I am so glad I'm not working in baseball right now because I could not, I would not want to work in these conditions. Said a lot, Harrison, you wanted it. Um, I hope I hit on some things you wanted. Definitely did, and I was waiting for Dan because I hadn't seen Dan's take on it. Uh, I know I probably missed a few retweets. I don't know if Dan's put on his Twitter. Maybe I've missed it about his take on all of it, but the ending of that Braves game was wild. But I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I, I'm ready to get into the season, Dan. I don't know if I really like the rule changes. I mean, okay, pitch clock, that can take some getting used to. Not as much dilly-dally. Okay, makes sense, but no shifts. Well, I'm okay. Defense? I, I, I'm okay. I'm okay with the no shifts. I mean, it has nothing to do with nothing. That's that's fine. Like that's just play. I mean, when we were little kids, we didn't shift the entire field. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with the no shift. I have a problem with these fake ass rules about this. You know, the the shot clock basically. And oh boy, here he comes, the doctor. What's up, Star? What up, Star? This isn't starter. This is Doctor Four right <laughs> no, here. I I meant to say guy, but I fucked up. Oh, okay. Never mind. Maybe I misheard you. But what's going on, Dan? Where y'all? Oh, are you gonna talk about this umpires? Not umpires, not but I I will talk umpires. I'll talk baseball. You know, I'm happy to talk anything and everything. I, I think it's fugazi what they're trying to do, but you know Listen, it, we are we are the fan friendly show, okay? So like you go on the Jonathan Jeremiah show, you can put your quote. they don't like like you don't exist in them. We are the fan friendly show. You have a take. You have something to say. You come on our show, Jonathan. What do you got? Look, so I was actually at a Beefo Brady's for the first time in my life. Shouts oh out to three year Letterman. First time in my life at a Beefo Brady's watching this baseball game, and I'm sitting there in the ninth inning, and the Braves are making this comeback, down three runs in the ninth inning, and they get some runs and they tie the game up, bases loaded, three two count. And so I can't hear the volume on the TV that I'm watching at because obviously I'm at a sports bar. They don't have the volume on. And I just see the batter walking to first. I was like, oh, the pitcher screwed up. He got caught for the pitcher's clock. 
And then they just call the game. And I was like, what the heck just happened? And I, I was like, how in the world do you call the bat around that situation? I was trying to find a replay, anything and everything. And my whole thing about it is, one, the catcher himself was standing up, which I get that's not part of the rule, whatever. You can play that to your advantage and whatnot. But two, the batter had both feet in the batter's box, was staring directly at the pitcher, and of all abil- like of all things pointed towards, he was ready for the incoming pitch. He was ready for his at-bat and was basically just waiting to put his bat on his shoulder. So I just think if this is what it's going to be, if this is going to be like the whole thing of like, well, what is a catch in the NFL? What is a catch in college football? Nobody really knows. If this is what it's going to transpire to, then there's going to be a lot of unhappy fans. There's going to be a lot of games that are decided, unfortunately, and hopefully not too many. But it just thinks in crucial moments like that, I just again, it's kind of like the Super Bowl. We hated that the holding call kind of ended up being the deciding factor in that football game. I hate to see that the deciding factor in that baseball game was some umpire determining whether or not a batter was ready. Well, you it know, seems like we're not too, used to it. Yeah, the other thing too is you know one of the one of the main comments is like just. Like you took what happened in the spring training game and parlayed that somehow all the way to that better not happen in game seven of the World Series. Well, no shit, it's not going to happen in game seven of the World Series because that's why they're making such a big deal about it now is so that it gets in these guys' heads. You're conditioning. It's like uh, Pavlov's dog where you ring the bell. You're going to start conditioning them, right? You're going to be kind of hard about it and then you kind of loosen up. It's like uh, with a parenting style. They say it's a lot easier to start out really, really strict and then loosen up as they get older, as opposed to being uh, willy nilly at the beginning and then trying to be strict when they get older. It's, it's really tough to do that. So I, I think like, like you said, um, Jonathan, there is a lot here uh, of gray space. And I, I think that as these guys get conditioned, it's going to be less of a, 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 a shock to the system. I just think it's stupid and I don't think we need it. With that being said, Dan, John, <laughs> let's get into it. Let's go. It's football. It, well, it's not football season. Sadly, sadly, it's not football season. Well, it's almost spring football season. So I want I, I, breaking. There was breaking news this afternoon. Georgia's fans kind of got back into the frenzy of, oh my god, we're gonna lose a coach. Oh my god, to the NFL. And hey, thank you to Chris Lowe over at ESPN broke the story Monday afternoon, which is today. Georgia co-defensive coordinator Glenn Schumann is staying in Athens. Who? supposedly, reportedly, interviewed with the Eagles for their defense coordinator opening. Big, big win. Big win on all sides. I, I, I didn't think he was going to leave. I don't think Dan thought he was going to leave. Jonathan didn't think he was going to leave. Not many thought he was going to leave, but they there is the panic fans out there that, you know, interview is, yeah, he's out the door. So what does this mean? What 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 does it mean for Georgia? Obviously, there's there's going to be a lot of pluses in this, not as many negatives. So let's let's kick it over real quick to John and then Dan. Well, I think first off, what it means is I think you have to. I think the panic kind of started because not many people thought Munkin was off to the NFL and then he takes a job with Baltimore. Then you have freaking Robert Muschamp taking a quality and controlled defensive position with the Los Angeles Chargers after being a defensive analyst for a couple of years at Georgia. And so then when you hear Schumann and the rumbles rumblings of him possibly going to the NFL, then yeah, the panic button's going to get hit. But as far as what it means for him to return and what it means for Georgia, well, you know me. I'm the stat guy, so I'm going to rattle off a bunch of stats for you here real quick. So in 2022, Georgia's point differential was plus 402, so you get that back. Glenn Schumann had a big helping hand in that. That's 35 more points, actually, than the total number of points allowed by Georgia's defense over the last two seasons. So, again, 402 point differential, and that's 35 points less than the total number of points Georgia's allowed over the last two years. It also means that you get the guy back that helped lead your defense that only allowed an average of 17.1 points per game against seven ranked opponents in 2022. And he's also had five inside linebackers drafted since he he came on board with Kirby smart. And he's also had two buckets water winners in those same years as well. The program didn't have a single one prior to his arrival. So that's exactly what you get back in Glenn Schumann. You get a really good defensive minded head coach. You get a guy that knows how Georgia operates and you get a guy that has experience and is doing really good things on the recruiting trail. He's getting elite bodies in that room and he develops at a high pace. He just does everything really, really well. And people are taking notice of that. And that's why he's getting phone calls from the NFL because when Georgia's having this much success defensively specifically, who are they going to call? They're going to call the guy that's supposedly the defensive coordinator for that team, and they want him on board. What the frick are you guys doing down there at Georgia? What do we? What can we get from that? Teach us your ways, because obviously it's freaking working for y'all because you guys won back-to-back national titles. 
You know, I thought Brooks uh, on his NBR show really summed this up well. Like a lot of guys that are as talented as Schumann, you know, you, you don't necessarily get the job in your first interview, but, you know, he's starting to lay the groundwork that maybe he is ready for that next role. My question with Schumann is, does he want to continue to be in college or does he want to be in the NFL? I'm not really sure which direction he wants to go. Life is a lot better in the NFL. I mean, it's more difficult to win in the NFL, but life itself is better at the NFL level. Which way does he want to go? I think it would be a shame if Schumann went to the NFL because he has such a talent of building relationships and being able to recruit. He is an elite recruiter. I, I hear your stats, Jonathan, and I agree with you. 99.9% of what you said. However, the one thing that I I would say is that I, I, I don't have any issue with Georgia trying to replace the mind that is Glenn Schumann. I think the biggest challenge for Georgia would be replacing the man that is Glenn Schumann and his ability to bring in top level players. I think that's the one part of Glenn Schumann that I don't think we could replace. And I'm not saying that we couldn't find somebody who could do a really good job because Kirby has shown over and over and over again that he is able to do a great job of finding people. But Glenn Schumann's real, real talent, obviously very smart defensively, but we have a lot of smart defensive minds in that room. His greatest talent and greatest asset to Georgia is his ability to secure talent for this program. And I think that's the one thing that we would really miss. And I think that would be a shame if college football missed out on that with him. Um, but, you know, it. listen, if – I'm not really sure that a DC job at, at another college makes a whole lot of sense for somebody like him. He's basically at the pinnacle of that right now. So maybe it is the NFL opportunity for him that would eventually pull him away other than a head coaching job. And I don't really know if he's ready for that yet or if he thinks he's ready for that, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of already got out of the woods with the Alabama situation. I know they, I mean, really there was no buzz other than, Hey, we're going to fire Pete Golding Alabama fans are in the mentions saying, oh, yeah, let's go get Glenn Schumann. Let's go get Glenn Schumann. Let's go take the the prized possession of those Georgia fans. Well, outside of that, after it was done, it's like, it is so quiet in here, you can hear a pin drop. And they go out there and hire Kevin Steele, which, as we talked about, not a bad hire. I mean, dude's a vet. Dude is a veteran. And, hey, my worst take of the last year was that Miami hired a really damn good football staff. Maybe they did. They had a lot of big names on it, but they obviously failed because some of them are gone. Most of them are gone. I mean, already out after year one. So, brings me to the, the kind of the next question is, is Georgia out of the woods? It is February 27th. I mean, most NFL staffs are filled out. Most college uh, staffs are filled out. So, are you just asking for this year? Are they out of the woods for this year? I, I think yes, I think year. for this year. Yeah, for this year, then yeah, Georgia—they're out of the woods for now with Glenn Schumann in regards to potentially him going to the NFL or not. I think definitely because one, spring practice is about to ramp up for college teams, Georgia specifically, and every other team in the country. So that's about to happen. Recruiting's about to ramp up again a lot. You know, guy like this past weekend, a lot of coaches were taking their last bit of vacation or vacation, as you so call it, before the season for 2023 starts right back up for them because that schedule is so brutal for them. So I think if anything, yeah, this was probably your last shot or really this was your last opportunity. If Glenn Schumann were to make a move this year, then that was going to be the only opportunity or really the only chance that you had to worry about him leaving. I think now that where you are now in the season and what's about to happen and what's right around the corner, then what Georgia staff is right now, that's what you're going to get in 2023. If I had to guess. And if you look at the guys on the staff that have the potential to make a move, you're talking about staffers, right? Like guys that we really don't know their name. They may be extremely uh, effective inside of the program, but like nobody's going to lose sleep over them moving. You're talking about guys who are going to take coordinator jobs or head coaches jobs. I think that ship has sailed for this offseason. Do you know, is there a chance that we could lose some staffers between now and uh, by the time we kick off for the season? Absolutely. I think that could happen. I'm not saying it will, but I'm saying it could. But you know, like guys like Todd Hartley, they're not going anywhere now. They're kind of locked in. Like, because what would be next for Todd Hartley? Obviously, an offensive coordinator job, if that's something that he wanted to do, or maybe go be a tight ends coach in the NFL level. Um, but again, Todd Hartley, I don't know how great he is X's and O's wise. I know he's extremely talented at landing and procuring talent. So I, I think we're okay for right now. Um, <laughs> Morgan, always hey, go we, dogs. We finally got to go dogs. Shout From out, Morgan. Shout out to- 
Yeah, sh- shout out Morgan's to always shout out good to, for a go dog. to Mr. and Mrs. Uh, sh- shout out to y'all and shout out shout out to Dean, man. Happy Number one roommate in the business. Number one roommate. <laughs> yeah. So my whole point is, I think uh, all of the big names, the names that most Georgia fans would uh, care about, I think are locked in for the season, which is great news. Uh, I, I, for one, hated losing Munkin, but I mean, I think we're going to be okay. I'm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, great you know. great points, Dan. I, I, I wrote down, I, I have a pen, a notebook and pen beside me because we talked about clipping stuff. So I wrote down Dan's t- uh, timestamp for that quote about what Georgia loses. So with that being said, let's open it up for kind of spring practice talk before we let J-Man and Dan Collier out of here for the night. Guys, here, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. Let, let's go ahead and get it in. Uh, let's go ahead and get this in, and then we can touch on the combine just real quick. Breakout players, do we got them? Who wants first? Breakout players for the spring. You can name one. You can name two. Gosh, name one. I, man, I've been on the Yazid hype train for ever since he signed with Georgia. Ever since I saw those highlights, and I'm talking about the wide receiver from the 2023 class. He'll be a true freshman this year. But ever since I had to write up the recruiting profile for Yazid, and I went over to his Twitter and I found the highlight clips of him, I was sign me up. I'm, I'm a Yazid Haynes through and through fan or at least i am hoping that he succeeds and i think he will that dude's a burner runs like a i think he's been clocked in at like a 4.3 so for a 40 yard time so definitely a big yazid guy for this upcoming class and i think that he's someone you're going to hear a lot of positive things about come springtime because you know everybody wants to know of course about how the starters are doing maybe how people have developed how like malachi starks is coming along after his freshman year and whatnot but everybody also loves to know, how are these true freshmen doing in spring camp? How are these early enrollees doing? How are they transitioning from high school to college? I think he's going to be one that you're going to hear a lot of good stuff about, and he's going to be a name to know for a good long time. So if we're just one right now, yeah, he's he's my guy for sure. I mean, for me, it's A.J. Harris. That's the guy that I've been – I've kind of circled. Uh, I know I've said it on a couple of different shows now where I think that's the guy who I, I think has an incredibly high ceiling. I think it's a – a position that Georgia needs to see instant um, productivity out of. I know Jonathan Jeremiah did the, the, um, the cornerback position, defensive backs uh, this past show that they did, they did a phenomenal job. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. Uh, I think they covered it really well. I think AJ Harris fits into that group really, really well. I think he's going to get some time there. Um, and I, I like the uh, Yazid, thing because Georgia needs another explosive wide receiver. If he could be that guy, that would be phenomenal. Um, I can't remember what his name is, and I'm, I'm spacing out. We have a, a freshman wide receiver that's like 6'4". Tyler runs, Williams? Maybe, Bingo. yeah. Sprinter speed. Uh, that guy has a chance to uh, announce his presence with authority. So that's another one. But I'm going A.J. Harris. Go ahead, Harrison. Y'all went freshman, and it's interesting because I didn't tell y'all – to go freshman. So that, that makes me feel good. Georgia has two freshmen that y'all both feel certainly high on that it can perform. I'm going to go with a sophomore and okay. It's hard to say. I, I, I'm i going to, I'm going to go on the limb and say he's a breakout player this year. I'd classify him as a breakout player because he, I mean, he really didn't get too much action. The breakout player from last year was Michael Williams. When Georgia has another five star sitting on the edge. I think Marvin, uh, Marvin Jones is going to be the yes. breakout player in the spring in the spring. Georgia needs help off the edge. You lose your – I believe Nolan played Jack or Sam. I forget. I get the two mixed up. Jonathan, maybe you can clear me up on that. They lost their Jack and their Sam linebackers and Robert Beal and Nolan Smith. Georgia needs help at both both those places. Chaz Shambles can try to step in. Marvin Jones needs – it's going to get a full – hopefully a full spring of work and off the edge again, along with Michael Williams, who I think probably playing a little bit more three-tech than he will – or three tech and four eye, then he will off the edge. But I, I mean, the possibilities are endless. We have to see a, a big spring out of Marvin Jones. Now, Harrison, that's a great pick. Marvin Jones is a stud, but he's going to be out for the entire spring with it. I knew that was oh. coming. I'm I sorry, but coming. great pick. I think he's definitely someone that when fall rolls around, definitely. I think he's definitely has breakout potential. He showed flashes in the Tennessee game, I remember, and all the other games that he showed out in. But yeah. For spring, that's a miss already. Sorry. So that's an X on the score chart. Oh, hey, don't worry, Harrison. They got me on the same one. They were doing their edge position, and I was like, you guys have not said Marvin Jones Jr. not one time. And they're like, uh, Dan, because he's not going to be in the spring. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, listen, they got me too. Jonathan is here to bust your chops, always. 
I'm just trying to look. I'm just trying to lay down the facts, do my job, do my journalistic duty, whatever you want to call it. No, you did a great job. Thank you so much. Dang. So, okay. Bear Alexander, my next one. Boom. We'll pivot. We'll pivot. There you go. There you go. I know he's in there. We didn't see him last spring. He's going to get a full spring, full offseason. Hopefully, nobody gets hurt. I can't wait to see Bear Alexander. And Robert from the GG podcast, he is in here. I bet you he's yelling from the rooftops. Uh, Let me say it. Jamal Jarrett. Oh, damn it. Jamal Jarrett. Big job. Robert and Jamal Jarrett go together like peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) You got that right. Guys, all right. It's combine week. Gosh, that came up quickly. Uh, It's combine week in the NFL. Real quick, to close out the show, Georgia has, I believe it's 12 people. Jay, well, you're the stat guy. I believe it's 12 12 people. 12 invites. Okay, 12 people. Dan, hey, I might have got Marvin Jones wrong, but at least I got that one right, okay? I'm trying to redeem myself here. It was was a rough show last week. I I got caught going off script, and I was not happy with it. But with that being (laughs) moving on. (laughs) NFL Combine, Jalen Carter is not going to – work out that's probably i mean really it 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 just shows you hey he's probably gonna go high in this draft there's no need no need at all same thing with bryce young he's not gonna throw no need at all out of everyone who's competing guys i want to get your people the one player you are intrigued to watch and i have so much money on this pick if it's not stessa bennett i'm gonna lose my my future mortgage yeah somebody's picking stessa bennett well, it ain't me, so you might be losing your mortgage. It, if you're not saying you're not interested in seeing Broderick Jones test out at the NFL Combine, then you need to know now. That's going to be a freak show. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous. If you've listened to Real Talk Pod with Tate and Ryland over there, the two Georgia players or one former Georgia player now, they you there was an episode where they talked about Broderick Jones, and they Tate just kind of gives this look of like, that is the most freakiest human being I've ever seen. That dude's ridiculous. For his size and how, like he's just, I would go ahead and tell you, he's going to test out of this world. He's going to lock himself in as a top ten pick for sure. Keely Ringo's obviously another one that's going to test really well. Just another physical specimen that's just he's a one percenter in a lot of areas, speed wise. He's going to test really well. There's already been rumblings about that. I think there's a, quite a few Georgia players that are going to test really well. You know, last year they kind of took over the NFL Combine, and it's because I think Georgia not only does a great job of helping them condition for that and getting them prepared for the NFL combine, but Georgia just also finds a way to get those different breed human beings on campus in a Georgia uniform. And then they get to develop them for three or four years. And by the time the NFL rolls around, it's like, Holy crap, these guys are NFL ready, more NFL ready than anybody else. So all 12 guys I think are worth watching, but yeah, Broderick Jones is the one that I'm specifically highlighting for sure. That's a great pick, Jonathan. I love it, but not so fast. My friend, the guy I want to see, is none other than the big up, Darnell Washington. You have a man that size. And like once you go to the combine, all the myth busting is done. Like they're gonna put you on a scale, they're gonna tell you down to the gram what you freaking weigh. They're gonna put you up on a chart and they are gonna tell you to the millimeter what your height is. If that man clocks in at six foot seven, like everybody says he is, and he goes out there, runs like a four or five or a four or six, holy Hell, my, I mean, that guy is a physical freak. He showed us this year he can catch the football. We already knew for two years that he could knock the piss out of you. Now, if he can run, so you have a guy that height who can run that fast, catch that well, and block like tractor trailer. I mean, what can't you do with that guy? He's going to make every other player on that offensive line better. He's going to make everybody outside of him better. I, I, Go ahead. I know. Listen, I, I, no, I'm fanboying. The only thing I love that you're talking about Darnell Washington because this has always been my favorite, like, kind of, I guess, fun fact you can call it about Darnell Washington is that he's such a freak and such an anomaly that if you were to load up NCAA 14 the, on your Xbox 360, you could not create a Darnell Washington. It does not allow you to create a player that big at the tight end position. You cannot create a 6'7", 270-pound tight end in that fo- in a video game. In a video game, you cannot make him. Nonetheless, that they exist in real life. That's how much of an anomaly or unicorn, as I say nowadays, that he is. And, yeah, that's another good pick, Dan, for sure. Yeah, he is He is a special human. And, I mean, the, there you, you said a lot of good stuff. Like, Keely Ringo, I think, is going to test out of this world. I really do want to see what uh, McIntosh puts down on paper. Um, I think McIntosh... Uh, he's been one of my favorite backs to come through Georgia in quite a while. I mean, I mean, outside of Chubb, and um, but out of the backs that we have right now, I have an affinity for McIntosh. I'm not really sure what it is. Maybe it's that South Miami thing. 
um, because uh, like uh, some Willis McGahee to him. I'm not really 100% sure, but I love McIntosh, and I think the NFL scouts are going to fall in love with him. And he might be that next back to go to the NFL and put up some really, really good numbers. So I think it's a very uh, productive time for him. I don't give a shit what Stetson does at Combine, just to be completely honest. I really don't. I'm so me, fatigued I, on talking about him that I just don't give a shit anymore. For me, McIntosh is definitely someone I think, you know, whenever someone talks about McIntosh, it's the thing that I constantly hear is I don't know what he's going to run. And it sounds similar to Zemir White, George Pickens, Lewisine. It's like, what is he going to run? I, I really do think he has some underrated speed. I think he's probably going to blow it out of the water, going to turn a lot of people's eyes like, holy crap, he ran that fast? No, no doubt. Out of everybody in this running back class, probably Jameer Gibbs is going to win it with the fastest 40 time out of the ones that are going to be drafted within the first three rounds. That's probably not going to be a surprise to anybody. So I'm curious, like Dan said, to watch Kenny McIntosh. But, hey, I'm going to recover some of my future mortgage. I want to see what that man says to Bennett runs. I really do. Because people are out here saying that he's going to run in the four fives. Let me see it. It's going to happen. I mean, let it's me see happen. it. If he runs if he runs that that fast, runs I that think he's going to hit 40, four four. Oh, dang. Whew. Dude. He hits four four. Oh lord! I, I, I bet Gosh. you he hits like four four nine. That's that's what I'm gonna if, go with. If he hits the fours, Dan, the fours, I'm gonna have to see this clip on my feed every damn day of the week because that is crazy. Whew. If he hits that, Dan, he, Dan, I'm gonna need bro, a victory he, lap out of you. He's faster than you think he is because if you oh, go yeah. back and watch the film, there are a couple different times where he makes angles disappear. And if you understand angles, when you make an angle disappear, that is top top speed and a lot of quarterbacks don't make angles disappear well i mean you could just see it when he would escape from the pocket like for him to evade a lot of those guys and a lot of those linebackers that he did like that that testifies to you gotta have a a lot of speed to evade like sec linebackers and even sec edge rushers because even those dudes are putting it out yeah yeah. like yeah and like especially his breakaway run run against auburn like when he took it like 70 yards or whatever he did like yeah that shows to the type of speed that he has that's that's the definition of amazon express delivery right there that's what (laughs) i've not heard that one coin phrase that one there you go for him he's got the throw and that's that's kind of like the big thing for him i don't think people are questioning his 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 athleticism it's how does he throw the football jake Fromm. we talked about in the group chat Jake Fromm's ball and Setson's ball, there's a difference. Setson throws a better football than Jake Fromm did. And I think yeah. that's probably where Jake Fromm's – and also the, the slow can't bring, kind of killed. You can't bring Jake Fromm up. That guy was – I mean, listen, I'm not trying to slander Georgia quarterbacks, but just – you can't bring up Jake Fromm if you're being serious and have a serious conversation about quarterbacks. Oh, no, 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 no. no. I, I'm just talking about – I mean, like, you can say Aaron team. Murray if you want to. You can compare him to Aaron Murray, and I think that's a great comp. Uh, I think Sesson throws the ball better than Aaron Murray, although I thought forever and ever amen that Aaron Murray is the best Georgia quarterback while he was at Georgia. But, um, yeah, Sesson can throw the piss out the ball. I, he, he, he'll he be fine. I, yeah, and that's what – I, I want to see him throw because we've, we've seen him throw in games. It looks it, it looks great. There's that clip that Jonathan uh, retweeted or tweeted from last year's Manny camp, and it's a deep ball. It's a beautiful deep ball. And I'm like, damn. So I'm excited to watch him throw because he's going to be throwing with Will Lovis he can sling and it. Richardson. Those two are already getting mentioned as, hey, they're going to throw the piss out of the football and they're going to look really good. And, I mean, for me, that's another part of the reason. There's nothing to gain for Bryce Young to go out there and throw. There's nothing to gain when he's throwing against Anthony Richardson and Will Lovis. He's going to be a number one pick potentially. So I- I'm really I'm really keen to see Sissa Bennett throw. Another guy, right. real quick, real quick, Dan, is I want to see Nolan Smith. I don't know if he's working out. I haven't seen anything that tells me otherwise. But if he runs as fast, I think he will. I think he's I, – I, right now, if I had to predict, I think he's going to be the guy that slips into the first round, maybe alongside Chris Smith. Those two guys, if they run fast 40s and they have a good combine, a good pro day, they will fly up those boards. Well, I have a question for you guys. All right, so I heard this on the radio the other day, and it really got me thinking, right? So th- – they posed a question like this, and I want you to answer it before I tell you why. In any game that Stetson played in the last two years, did you ever say, I wish he was faster? I wish he could throw it farther. Uh, I, like, was there anything athletically that you like that got you upset about Stetson Bennett? Is there anything in the last two years 
athletically that you were like, I wish he was this, I wish he was that, I wish he was that. Has, did that cross your mind? The last two years? No. Yeah. no, no. Like the last, definitely not. I, just, I, I, I think the last time that you could really even say that about him would have to be the 2020 Kentucky game. That's the last one that comes to mind where like I truly sat there watching and it was like, I don't know if this kid has it. I, he's making some pretty ill-advised decisions and whatnot, just didn't look all there. 2021, he turned a new chapter. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened in the offseason. I don't know what anybody told him. I don't know what he did or whatnot. But 2021 Stetson Bennett and 2020 Stetson Bennett are night and day. That's how different it was. And from that point on, from UAB all the way to the national championship game against TCU, that was a different quarterback. That was a different Stetson Bennett. And it's why he's the legend of Georgia football now. So I would say no. I, I cannot remember a single time in the last two years where I was like, I wish Stetson Bennett did this better, really. Perfect. It it's tough. I, I agree with Jable. I don't. I can't think of anything where I'm like, oh yeah. I, I you know, I don't. I'm not wishing for anything athletically or you know throwing wise. I don't. I don't think I can. But I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be straight up honest with y'all. Heading into the Michigan game and even the Alabama extent, my main question was, can he do it? Is he good enough to go beat Alabama? That's a good even, point. Even after the Michigan game, where he blew it out of the water, I'm like, can he do it? Like, Georgia has the defense. Georgia, you, you think they have the pieces around them, but it's Stetson Bennett the guy. Because everything else leading up to that, before the SC Championship game, it's like, oh, yeah, Georgia's probably going to run through Alabama. Then that shock of the SC Championship game comes, and it's like, holy crap, we just we just went back a year. So I brought that up because Chuck Oliver is one talking about it, and he said that you're about to turn the page at University of Georgia to two guys that if you went into a lab and drew them up, they are – prototypical level a five-star prime quarterbacks but there's not that excitement that you thought you would have by giving it over to them because at no point and you just said it yourselves and that's why i wanted you to answer before we talked about moving on to a new quarterback is you didn't say i wish he was taller you didn't say i wish he could throw it farther you didn't say i wish he was a little bit faster you didn't say any of those things so we're turning the page to something that we all wanted. We all wanted this two years ago. Now we are finally there, but nothing that we want. I mean, like, it, it, it was irrelevant. It really was. And so, like, I, I don't know. I don't really know what the punchline of this joke is, but we're getting ready to turn it over to two guys that we've all been wishing for, but the guy that we're replacing – didn't have any shortcomings in the areas that they're supposedly better at. So I don't, I don't know, man. I think I think this is going to be a real eye opener for us this year. Um, I think we kind of took um, took Stetson for granted a lot. I think yeah. that's a great point, and I mean the haters won't admit it. God forbid if I log on to a Facebook group and see the number one hater saying I was wrong. Gosh, the world must be coming to an end that day. But yes, yes, the doctor came in for a visit. On the Top Dog Talk podcast, you got that right, Roots. Got to check Sodder in went on my to patients. Yeah, yeah, got to got to check in on us. Sodder went to Charlotte on a business trip. We said, "Yo, can I? Can we get? Can we get the doctor one on one? Can the doctor see us now?" So we did it. We'll pull it off. And hey, when Sodder's done traveling, we'll try and get him on too. Because hmm. you know, can't have one half without the other Good half luck. of the classic podcast. But with that being said, Jonathan, wrap us up. Where can they find you? Where can you find me? You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore J. Will. Um, I haven't been posting too many stat tweets as of late, but I put content out over there. I think it's pretty good content. Um, and then you can also find me with the Classic City Sports Podcast. As Harrison just mentioned, me and Jeremiah Stoddard, we do our own Georgia football sports um, podcast every single Wednesday, or it's typically on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. So that's where I'm at, Twitter and YouTube. That's where you can find me. That's where I'm available. And then I also write articles for Dogs Daily at Sports Illustrated over there. So you can find my content over there as well pretty much every single day. There's something over there for you to read. Sit on the toilet and read some articles if you want to. That's If that's your type of thing, then I'm there for you and I'm your guy. So that's where you can find me. Yeah, we love having Dan. Jonathan on. Jonathan does an absolutely amazing job. I, I know like he's not going to toot his own horn too heavy, but I'm telling you, his articles are really good. You always get good information. His stats always give you great information. You can trust his stats. Uh, we talked about there. One of my first half of my rant is trust your information. If, if it's got Jonathan's name on it, uh, I can promise you he's uh, he's double crossed and triple checked uh, all that stuff. And hey, really, other people want so them too. Like yeah, that's that's the that's that's the comp, ultimate compliment. 
other people post his stats. Other yeah, people. Yeah, yeah they you may do. not get some credit. Of your, some of your but... favorite football players like to post my stats. I'll just leave it at that. But anyway, you can find me at Dan Kiley three on Twitter. Uh, obviously, um, like, subscribe, follow this. Um, we got to get our numbers up. Jonathan Jeremiah's show has absolutely blown up the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm extremely jealous. Um, they have like tripled their numbers in like two weeks, and uh, so uh, good for them. Like, honest, honestly, and truly, could be happy hey, for you guys. Boosting my ego now. I know. Well, <laughs> we love you. Appreciate you coming on. I love y'all boys too. I support, you know, I've always said support those who support you. You guys clearly, as you, you guys just did, you guys support us and you support me. So I'm always going to support you guys as well. And I love talking sports with you guys. We do it every single day. So why not do it on YouTube? You know, right, 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 right. Hey, and don't forget our four wide podcast. Absolutely. They're ready to get that started back up with some other sports other than NFL. Ready to get that back going for sure. Hey, Jonathan and I have been dying to talk basketball. It's coming. <laughs> we'll I see mean, what We're, we're going to need it. I'm, we're going to need it. Trey Young's under fire, guys. I'm going to need something on Saturday, Sunday, oh. or or something. Saturdays, I don't know when you're going to do it, but you're going to have to give your response and your takes to that. But with that being said, we've been an hour, an hour. And I told Dan, we, we talked about it weeks or months back. We don't want to go above 45 minutes. Otherwise, people people be losing. But I do want to give a shout-out to the audience. Guys, thank you for last week. We didn't uh, – I was looking through – I've was. i been looking through the average duration of review. It used to be seven minutes. That almost doubled last week. Up to 15 – or actually did double. Went up to 15. Out of a 30-minute show, 15 minutes for a show that has 65 subscribers, 61 subscribers, I'm happy with it. So keep watching through the end of the episode. As Morgan said, it was a good episode. Appreciate Morgan, Dean, for coming over with the doctor. So with that being said, go go find the doctor over on Wednesday nights at eight o'clock over on the Classic City Podcast, guys. It's gonna wrap it up for episode seventy nine of the Top Talk Thought Podcast. I'm here, Serena. That's Dan Kylie. That's Jonathan Williams. <laughs>